there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love to talk to creative people about how they do their thing. This week I have two guests. Um, they are both involved in that podcast that I've been writing for, Imagined Life. Stephanie Jens is the executive producer of the podcast, and Michael Selditch is one of the other writers. In fact, it was Michael that referred me to Stephanie for the job. So um, together, I think the three of us wrote all nine of the first episodes, which is considered the first season. Uh, Michael wrote five of them, I wrote three, and Stephanie wrote one. So it's been really fun to work on. And so I wanted to get everybody, the three of us together, to just talk about the uh, podcast, what's unique about it, and the reaction to people, and uh, just everything that goes into it. Before we get to the interview, to everybody out there that pre-ordered the game, You Don't Know My Life, thank you so much. We're expecting the shipment any day now, maybe, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. It's making me very anxious because <laughs> we uh, we promised before Christmas that that people would uh, get the games. But we've got all the envelopes ready to go. So once they arrive, we stuff them, we mail them, we're on our way. So if you're in L.A., I'll probably hand deliver it to you because um, I feel like being Santa Claus this year. So thanks for everyone that pre-ordered. And if you didn't pre-order but you want the game, we're still selling them on our website. Um, that's you don't know my life game dot com. And you can get the game. You might not get it by Christmas if you if you order it now, but uh, you can definitely still get it. So um, that's all the plug part. So let's get on with the interview. Here are Michael Seldich and Stephanie Jens from the podcast Imagined Life. Hey there, I'm coming to you from the beautiful West Hollywood apartment of Michael Seldich, writer, producer, director, and also... With us is Stephanie Jens. She is the executive producer of the podcast that Michael and I both write for called Imagined Life. And it's one of several podcasts that you work on as an executive producer at Wondery. So welcome to the podcast, you guys. Thanks, hey. Dennis. There you go. All right. So Imagined Life is the show where we all overlap. Now, Michael, you and Stephanie have worked together for a number of years. Yes. When did you first meet? What show was it? Eight? Was it eight? It was a show called uh, Big Ideas for Small Planet on right. the Sundance Channel. That's not a show with little people. No. It sounds like, it started <laughs> to sound like it was, but it isn't. No, it was during the whole green, you know, what, whatever you want to call it, bust. Right. Um, th but on Sundance Channel, they had a green block. I think it was Thursday nights where they played all green programming. Meaning environmental. <clears throat> yeah. Not, so not green of, tinge on the tint. Not about right. mo not no. money. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So would you guys go into the field and interview people that were doing cool stuff in that world? Like, what kind of stuff would you cover? Do you want to talk about it? It was, it was a great show, actually. Yeah. It was, we worked on the third season of it. Or were you on it before that? I was a field producer on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was the I was show running the third season. It was uh, a show that was at Scout, the company that did yeah, Queer Eye. Sure. And um, it was it was basically a half hour documentary series. Each half hour had three stories. They were you know related by theme. Um, you know, let's say that 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 week was like clothes or something right. like that. So it was three stories about you know energy efficient. Or, or environmental environment. Yeah. Yeah. Were there things that you still took from your life from that show where it was like, oh, I use these kind of light bulbs now, or I do? Did it make? Does it change the way you approach, you know, the environment in your own life? Things about like recycling, and does it make you more aware of things like that? I think it did at the time. If you yeah. asked me for an example, I don't know right. if I can give you one. Uh, well, uh, you know, actually, I can. One of them is like 
I remember pulling, I mean, this wasn't from that show. It was from another one. Pulling plugs out, like when you put your charger in for your phone. Right. Pulling them out, because when they're in and the phone's not in, they're actually taking out the energy. I did not know that, and now I yeah. feel like I've learned something already. You know, things like that. But yeah. these stories, these stories on Big Ideas were were bigger stories. They were about people. They were always about people. Right. People that were doing things that were trailblazers and, you know, doing things for the environment and had interesting stories that people didn't know about. Right. Now, did you guys have a love fest right away when you met? Did you? Oh, wait. wait. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I want to tell you what I took away from yes, it. Because please. I think it's important. Yeah. Um, I took away mattresses. Did you know mattresses off-gas? And they off-gas more over time. So your face is right up on a mattress. So if you get your standard, you know, Sealy Posture mattress, that's like not good for you. And carpet. Carpet mm-hmm. off-gases too. I didn't even and know what off-gassing is. They put, it emits gas. Yeah. Like bad gases. Bad, but bad they gas. do make some carpets that don't off-gas or off-gas less. Right. I never even heard of well, off-gas. Yeah. They make mattresses well, that are sustainably... You've heard of paint that's VOC, right? Yeah. That's the same thing. Same kind of thing. Because paint gives off fumes. Mm-hmm. And they make some that doesn't. So did you go, so did you go and get a good, a good mattress after that? No, but I will the next you time will. I get the one. next time. I've actually had my mattress yeah, yeah, yeah. for like 10 years. <laughs> but I told a lot yeah. of other people. I don't remember them. I don't remember them. I know. Um, now, did you guys hit it off right away? I think we did. Yeah. Didn't we? Mm-hmm. And we, and we, um. I was incredibly efficient and you were really impressed. Michael was my boss. Wow. Yeah. So it's and now it's the other the way around. <laughs> Are you getting revenge now for uh, <laughs> yeah, all the things that's that what he it made is. you do? <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Now, Stephanie also fell in love with my dog. That was when I first got my That was when I first got my dog. Yeah, that's not a euphemism. Um, during that show, I got my dog, and he came to work with me every day. And he, was, he would just come in my office and lay down on the couch. And, and just hang out. They became really good friends. Aww. And my favorite story about my dog is actually a Stephanie story. Tell it. Do you really want to tell yes, it now? Yes, of course. <laughs> People don't believe this story. Stephanie, I w- so I was going back to New York for a weekend. I had my dog like a couple months. Right. And uh, I had to go to New York. And Stephanie's like, oh, let me take care of Roman. I was okay. like, great, because the two of you love each other. Perfect. Perfect. So Roman took him home from work, or Stephanie took Roman home from work. She lives in Santa Monica. I had never been to her apartment. And they had a great weekend. All was great. Came back to work Monday. Everything was fine. Cut to three years later. I, I had like a meeting or something in Santa Monica and I called up Stephanie. I was like, it was a Saturday. I was like, hey, are you around? Let's do lunch. I have this meeting in the morning. She's like, yeah, bring Roman. I was like, oh, I have a meeting. I don't want to bring him to the meeting. She's like, bring him to my house. I'll take him to the park. You go to your meeting. Then we'll go have lunch. So I was like, great, perfect. So I'm driving to Santa Monica and I realize as I'm driving, I don't know Stephanie's address. I had never been to her apartment. Okay. <clears throat> so I park like near the promenade and I'm about to call her to find out what her actual address is. And I look at Roman, who was always very good with names and words. And I said, Roman, because he always got excited when I said Stephanie's name. I was like, Roman, we're going to go see Stephanie. And he got all excited. He's wagging his tail. He's wagging his tail. And he starts pulling me down the street. And I thought, does he really know where he's going? Oh my going? God, he's going to take you right to He house. took me like a couple blocks away, turned a corner, went into a courtyard, there's like four, is there four towers in the courtyard? He went straight for one of the towers. He went up three flights of stairs, sat down in front of a door, and I thought, should I knock on this door? You have to knock on <laughs> the I door. And I knocked on the door, and Stephanie answered. 
Oh my So he God. had been there one weekend three years prior to that moment. And the starting point was two blocks away. It was like two blocks away. It blew my mind. I've got chills from that story. Aww. Isn't that crazy? I know. when you. He's when you... done things like that afterwards, too. It, it, it's crazy. He just remembered everything. But I think incredible. it was a smell. I think it's like a smell thing. Yeah. or yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. I read somewhere that dogs, you know how they know when you're going to come home? Mm-hmm. And it's not because they have great they track of time. Because they smell, the smell goes away or what, like it has to do with smell. Yeah. It smells like two million times greater than ours or some crazy number like oh. that. Yeah. That was amazing that he went right there yeah. and you opened the door and there they were. Yeah. Yeah, I could not believe it. I love it. I thought for sure I was going to like some, you know. You should wear a prize thing. or something. That feels like a reality <laughs> show. That feels like an unscripted moment. He did a similar thing yeah. in New York like years after that. What a I, super dog. It's crazy. I don't think my dog could figure that stuff out. Um, so let's talk about Imagine Life. It's the show that Michael and I have been writing for. And uh, Stephanie, talk about the origins uh, of the show. Where did the idea come from? And uh, maybe we should explain first how it works. Because even though I've talked about it on the podcast a number of times, but uh, how, do, how would you describe it to somebody that hadn't listened? Imagine life. Each one is a 40-minute episode. And it's about a famous person. And it's told entirely in the second person, the you yeah. form. And... You don't find out who you are until the end. Right. So it's kind of a mystery combined with a biography. And where did the original idea come from? The original idea came from Hernan Lopez, who's the CEO of Wondery. And Wondery is all about immersive pot experience right. in audio. Things that really suck you in. And yeah. They're designed and all the different elements. Yes. Yeah. Uh, sound design, all of it. Right. The, the writing. But Hernan had been reading a book about language and words and he came to the realization or perhaps he read it in a book that one of the most powerful and evocative words in the English language is imagine because it just evokes right picture in your head so that was how it started he thought we have done immersive scenes in the second person on uh, American history tellers we do a little, a little bit in the third person on tides of history and second person there but this he, he thought what if we did a whole show and the second person. And it was actually about someone who you who you thought you knew. Yeah. But how did he connect the, the, the word imagine with doing it in the second person? That's a good question. When Let's it was, call her I, hand, I mean, yeah. when that is like the coolest thing when somebody gets an idea like that from like this one yeah. little nugget of yeah. a, reading a word or something and then a whole idea comes. Yeah. And it just evolves. Yeah. So fr- from your point of view, when did you know it was going to work? Was it when you first started listening to things or reading things on the page? You also wrote one of the first episodes. I did. The first time I knew it was going to work was when I read the book. After Marshall, Marshall Louis is the head of content there at Wondery, and he gave me the Spark page that he and Hernan had written up. And What's it, What is it called? It's called a Spark page. I love a Spark page. Yeah, I know, right? It's I love the like it's so real. It kind of is. What's and a Spark it's, page? It's just like one page of like the idea. So yeah. it might be a paragraph, there might be words on it, it yeah. might be possible episodes, but it's designed to sort of get your imagination yeah, it's flowing. It's designed to spark, to spark something. Yeah. Exactly. And I honestly was like, how are we going to do this? Right. And... I went home and I read Bright Lights, Big City by Jay McInerney. Yeah. yeah. And that's written entirely in the second person. And he's, I forgot what an amazing writer that guy is. Yeah. Like, 
it's a really, talk about immersive experience, just reading and you really pulled it off. And in that moment, I knew we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And then just to make sure I wrote the first script, I'm like, okay, let, let me make sure we can actually do this. So I wrote what is, I think it's episode two, two. The Outsider. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to talk about who the people are, but we can't talk about we who can. the people no, are. No, we have to remember to use yeah. the names of the show. And yeah, exactly. Um and then the, the show debuted, how many, a couple months ago? When did that first no, thing go up? November 4th. November 4th. And I remember you, Stephanie, saying, have you seen the iTunes reviews? And I went on there. I'm not used to hearing that much about things that I'm involved in. And there were just, what did you think when you read the reviews? There was a ton right out of the gate, and they were all really positive. Well, wait, you have to say that it was, for the first week, it was like between number one and number three, it was fluctuating all week. Well, I didn't know on that. On iTunes. On iTunes, there's a With five-star rating. And yeah. it still has, it has had only a Still in the top rating. 50, yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so that's probably part of what you guys do with, with all of your shows, is look at the iTunes rankings, and mm-hmm. think that's part of the... The thing, but I, that was a new world to me, and it was so interesting to hear reviews from real people. I know. Yeah, I had to take a break. There were so many. I was like, Ugh, "I'm going to take a break and come back to the rest of these later." That was a really good feeling. You haven't read all of them, have you? No, there's like thousands of them. I mean, the, was this is <laughs> like the first? Well, there's almost two thousand, I think. Really? No, that's it's two thousand ratings, but 2000 I think there's oh, reviews. Oh, oh, there's I don't not know. 2000 oh, I thought each, actually I thought it was yeah. reviews. Um, I, to answer that same question, yes. when you told me, when you first start working there, I asked you, what are the shows you're working on? And when you told me about Imagine Life, um, I knew immediately it was going to work. I was yeah. like, that is a really good idea. The two, the combination of like doing it in the second person, which I thought was really intriguing and not knowing who it was until the end, both of those things combined, I thought that is a really good yeah. idea. It's so simple and just so clever, and it sounded really fun. Yeah. I want to talk about the process of writing, because yeah. we've all done it. You start with a lot of research, then you, you kind of figure out your outline of your story, but it's, what's interesting is you're creating a mystery, and you're also doing a biography, or like my background is writing magazine profiles, and so it has some DNA with that. It's such an interesting balancing act. Uh, how have you found the experience of writing them for both of you? Well, I think one of the things you have to think about is what do people not know right. about this person? Yeah. Because that, you know, it's not going to be interesting to hear all the things you already know. Right. So that'll A, make it more interesting and B, make it maybe a little more mysterious and a little harder to know who it is. Right. Um, and I think what what we found, I think all of us, that, that makes this interesting is that you can write it in a nonlinear way. You know, you're yeah. not going to start with you were born in Philadelphia in 1962, right. you know, it, and and then tell their story. So you could be very nonlinear and um, you could do just a piece of their life. Yeah. You know, like the advocate is one year of this person's life, just one yeah. year, you know, and then the trailblazer. I mean, I'm only using mine because I wrote them, but the right. trailblazer starts in the middle of the person's life when they're like 45 years old, goes up to the end and then jumps back to when they're 16 and works their way back up yeah. to when they're 45. So it's like, it's fun to play with time like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and kind of not really have any rules. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only rules we try to follow is, is a narrative structure. There's a beginning and a middle and an end. And I think Dennis, I'll be curious to hear what you think too, having written a number of these um, you two actually wrote the entire first season. Do you realize and that? And you. you wrote 
Well, and one. I wrote one, yeah. but yeah. like really, it was so you n- guys. How many is considered a season? Nine. 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 Mm-hmm. Is that standard for? No. Oh, just just kind of make it up as yeah. we go along. Sure, That's podcasting. Exactly. <laughs> it's good. So it's nine, and then there'll be two weeks down, and then nine. And yeah. Two weeks okay. Down and nine and Love two weeks. it. Probably unless we change it. Yeah. yeah. But but what I but what I think is really interesting about it is, and what we spend a lot of time talking about is, what is this story about? Like, wh- and what what's is, the struggle? What exactly? What does the character want? What's stopping him from getting it? And then what's beneath it? Like, what is the struggle that this person experiences? And I think what we what we look for is the point of connection because I think the struggle that a famous person has in their life is the same struggle that we all have mm-hmm. in, life, in right. our lives. There's, there's a universality in just being a human being and the things that we have to contend with right. and challenges that we face in our life and how we do that. And so I think there's a point of connection and then there's also a point of aspiration. Like yeah. it's, it's not a salacious gossipy experience. Yeah. It's about connecting everyone. And going back to what you said about the reviews, like I was just, I was moved. I was really moved by the reviews. I felt like people people got it. Yeah. They got it. They got what we were trying to do. And I think there's something amazing about that to to put that kind of energy into writing and then it's like you're you're giving it to somebody who's then experiencing it and it's a group collective experience. You yeah. Know? I was having dinner last night with two friends of mine who both are obsessed with it and have told other friends about it. But they're always they talk about I cry at the end of every one of them. Oh. Did you expect it to be a tearjerker? I wanted it to be. You thought it had the potential to be. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I listened to Michael's last one, The Advocate, this morning. Cried twice. Right there on my little oh. breakfast. The night. same two places that I cried. Yeah. Um, I think because you go through it with them. So at, yeah. at the end when they overcome something and they achieve something. Yes. It's, you feel like you've done it in a way. And it makes you cry. I, don't, it's, I find it kind of mysterious and powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, me too. And and when I say I wanted people to cry, it was not out of manipulation, but be, because those are the podcasts I like the best. Right. Because it's where I feel a connection <clears throat> to the person. And right. I think I think that's important, you know? I, like the, there's a lot of there's a lot in the world to to be sad and upset about. Yeah. And like I was hoping this experience would be something that could be the opposite of that. You know? It's different. It's certainly... I think that's why you were moved by the reviews, because a lot of the reviews talk about how much they are moved and they cry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? so. It's a good thing. Yeah. I've liked all of the people that I've written about, and some I've fallen in love with as I was working on them. I remember. You really you fell in love with The Warrior. I did fall in love with The Warrior. Yeah. Um... I am the warrior. Anyway, um, do you guys, did you, do you have that experience or do you feel like you need to like the person to go that in depth or do you have to find a hook that makes you like them? Could you write about somebody you don't like in that same way? I, I think I, I think I could. You could try to figure out. Well, what, you know, what, what because you have them. to, I think you have to, cause we were talking about this before. Cause yeah. I think, I think even if you weren't particularly, I don't know, you have to find, since you're trying to find somebody's struggle. Yeah. Even if you didn't particularly like them, I think as you were writing it, you probably would t- start to like them because you're 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 searching for their struggle and you're starting to understand and you're trying them. to relate to it right. and make it you know humanize yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what I was gonna say. And in, in uh, <coughs> excuse me, in writing the the outsider, I didn't have a feeling one way or the other toward the person. But right. as I started to learn about that person's struggle and and how they dealt with their struggles. Like I felt a lot of empathy and 
and I could see their vulnerability. And yeah. and when you see someone's vulnerability, I don't know how you can't help but fall in love with them a little bit. Yeah. Know? That's a perfect example, the outsider, because I need I knew nothing about the person. Right. Except I'm for the, the thing way. that everybody knows of right. what this person did. Right. And what they're famous for. Everybody knows that. Other than that, I knew nothing about this person as a person. Right. So when I heard that one, well, I actually read that one. That was the first one I read before mm-hmm. we started this. And I didn't know any of that stuff. And all of a sudden, that person was like a, a, a person. Right. <laughs> to me, it was a human being. Like, I had never thought about them before. But, you know, they, yeah. had, they had a life and they had a struggle and they were bullied and their father didn't. Oh, the bu- I, there's, I, this, there's a moment know. in that one about the bullying that I think about and it still makes my stomach sink. And people oh. don't think of famous people or wealthy people as ever having dealt with shit. Right. But they all do. We all do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The vocal talent on the show, Virginia Madsen and Robbie Damon, fantastic. Amazing, yeah. right? How did you come to choose them? How did they come to be involved in the project? Yeah. Um, I sent out queries to probably 15 agents. I probably We probably got in 200 reads. Yeah. And so they would send so they audition. They, they would audition. Reads, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the second we heard Virginia, we knew. Yeah. You know, she is. It was, her voice is so it. rich and I know, warm. right? I could listen to yeah. her read the phone book. She's so yeah. amazing. <laughs> they when both bring me. so much into it. Yeah. Like Robbie really stood out as well. Like I felt that he had the ability to really feel into a character because they're reading you in the second person. But right. But there's a transference of like you start to feel like the host is right. That character and he doesn't read the warrior the same way that he reads exactly the right. advocate or whatever. Exactly. Well, right. even within one thing, when they're yeah. doing dialogue mm-hmm. and they're and for those that are listening that aren't really following this, it's a single host podcast. So when they break into dialogue, they're doing all the dialogue. So they're talking with themselves, right. and if they're a male talking to a female or whatever, they both of them. It's not like they're mimicking the other gender, but they do something to their voice that it kind of, it feels like the other gender. There are they're times when I'm so talented. where I, I think if I just heard that snatch of the scene, I would think it was more than one actor. I would think it was two people. Right. Well, also, also Jeff Schmidt, who does the sound design, yeah. does, inc- he's amazing. And he does things to, like if they're on the phone or they're on yeah. a loudspeaker or they're in, you know, he filters their, their voices and does all these crazy things to them. So it, it also makes it sound yeah the sound design and music talk talk about that from your role as a producer is it a lot of back and forth do you do you kind of let him here's the here's the raw footage go for it and then then you give notes how do you direct the music and the the sound design yeah i let him go he is so immensely talented he's really has a gift for like the two of you and your writing for really being able to feel into what's happening and then interpret it in his craft which is music and sound design and honestly we hardly ever need to do notes he sound design i found him because he sound designed one of our other podcasts called inside jaws and it's just an experience i knew the second i heard inside jaws i'm like oh my god i want him for imagine life and so i called i called him and i begged you called and begged and it worked out (laughs) yeah yeah when i listen to the to the episodes i'm really struck by the level of commitment that the actors or the, the the narrators bring through the whole thing like they're in it every line what is it like to record them are they do they take breaks do they uh, do you is there a lot of start and start because i'm like she virginia is in it 
every line till the very end. Yeah. And they're, you know, 40 minutes long. So I just wonder the, um, that level of commitment and, and what it's like to record. And, and to they, they go straight through. I yeah. find from trial and error that if I interrupt, it does something to the energy that they're, that they're right. existing within. Yeah. And so, yeah, they go straight through. And then at the end, we talk a little bit about al- alternate reads that we might want for, for certain, certain characters line, like or a different yeah. line. That's or, interesting. But when yeah. they go straight through, they must stop. Like if they stumble or something, they must read they a pick couple. Yeah, they'll up. just read a couple lines mm-hmm. over again. Yeah. Sometimes they pick themselves up, right. and if they don't, then we just circle back for it. At the and end. you keep track of, like, okay, we need to pick that up again. Yeah. That's interesting, though, that you let them do the whole thing. Because I would imagine that it's like a flow you get into, and, and like any kind of performance, you, you uh, want to sort of stay with it. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, yeah. imagine, like, you know, there's a character in a movie who's in the middle of a scene, and yeah. you stop them in the middle to interrupt. Like, yeah. I think it's much better to let them get all the way. Yeah, through. it's I the same they... if you're rehearsing a play or yeah. something. Yeah. A lot of times, you don't stop in the middle yeah. of a scene; you just let it go, and then you talk yeah. about Come it. Back. I can imagine them being wiped out at the end, just because if I feel like they bring so much that it feels like that that probably takes in a, a lot of energy. No, no, they seem to yeah. come away energized. Really? They're all fired up. Yeah, they are. What do they say about the scripts? Because everybody's so different. Do they ever comment and say, oh, this person was interesting? Or do they ever talk about... Uh... Well, Virginia told me to tell both of you that you're very talented and she loves the scripts. Really? Yeah. That's so nice to hear. We weren't yeah. fishing I for that. Her. I love her. <laughs> she's so oh, good. She's, she's so good. Yeah. I mean, when you told me that you were thinking of her, I was so excited. And then yeah. when you... Sent me the little clip of her reading. I was like, yeah. oh my God, she's so good. She's yeah. so good. That's so cool. And Robbie too. I mean, I didn't know who he was, but you yeah. sent me that clip of him. And I think he was reading the, my, one of my, the first one I wrote, yeah. The, yeah. Performer. the Performer. And uh, I was like, I got a little chill. I know. It was, it was really too. great. I was like, okay, this is, this this is, is really this good. This is right. I think both of them have this amazing ability because sometimes our characters yeah. span a period of time. We might... You know, they might be 18 in one one place, and then they might be 50 in another place, just depending. And I think both of them just have this amazing ability to almost, like, subconsciously, they sound slightly younger, and then they sound yeah, slightly they older. Do. And it's so subtle, but when I listen back to it, I'm amazed by it. They also are good at period stuff. Like, yeah. Virginia reads The Trailblazer, Yeah, and there's periods where the character, it's like, in the... 30s and she's like a showgirl and you know yeah and she's and she's doing like the guy you know like come on girls we're all going yeah. to hollywood yeah. you know and she's like and she just you know and she didn't do it as like as bad as i just did it she, <laughs> she really kind of captures it and yeah you know did they're playing think, characters and and time periods and didn't you think robbie did a nice job with your script dennis the warrior like, i thought he did an amazing different. job yeah and it's a different, you know, it was a, it, musically it had to be different than other things. Like, and I think he, he captured, I cried. I always cried yeah. listening to it. Yeah. Driving, crying. So yeah. yeah, I thought he was awesome. What's the buzz around the office about this show? Do people keep track of the other shows and how's that going? And do people uh, come in and say, I, I, you made me cry this weekend? Or <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine a podcast company office to be like in those sitcoms where they work in a place and it's all glass walls and everything's white and people play with nerfs and like it's very modern and hipstery am i right that's facebook that's facebook right i feel like it's like tech world and there's probably cereal all the cereal you can eat no no what's and everyone's under 30 years old Yeah, yeah no cereal yeah what's it like in the office 
That's a good question. I've never actually thought about it. Um, it is an open, it is an open floor plan. We're not right. huge, you know, yeah. we're, we're a young company and I think we have maybe 25 employees now and some people, some folks are in offices, but we share yeah. and yeah. then some people are out in the open and usually the ad and the marketing side, they're listening to loud music, but yeah. the other side is like much more quiet. Yeah. But overall do. it feels, it feels very casual. Yeah. You know, Michael and I <clears throat> come from documentary and reality television where to me it felt a lot more political in that world when you'd be in a big production company it felt like things were going on behind closed doors and they weren't good right but here it does not feel like that it feels like there's a lot of collaboration there's a lot of support there's um people are working together which That's is, a good is really nice and no not everybody's under 30 but yeah. Some people. Like well, also in television, <laughs> you have the network side. So yeah. that makes it all a little more, you know, scary and difficult and yeah. cumbersome. Yeah. Well, I haven't worked in a lot of television. I've worked on some shows. And, but there's always this feeling of like the audiences are getting smaller and everything's getting... Like there's this Fear. feeling of yeah. everyone's terrified. Yeah, exactly. Is this a different world because it feels yes. new? Yeah. I have this whole theory that... Um, I think in, in television, they're losing their viewers because people under 25 are unplugging and they're getting their content from YouTube and in yeah. other areas. And and they and networks don't know what to do about it. And, right. and so there's a fear around it. And I think when you're afraid, you don't take risks. You know, right. you, you come down, you micromanage even more and, I, and the budgets get smaller and the amount of time that you have to do a show is fewer days, both to post and to shoot. And, and I think... Um, for me, why I made the shift anyway was yeah. like I saw this great world of storytelling happening everywhere else but reality television, and and I wanted to be part of it. And I think you're right. I think podcasting, it does feel like it's. I mean, not to use like a trope, but it feels like it's the wild west of storytelling. Like Imagine Life is a podcast that isn't like any other, but there's so many out there that you could point to. There's there's scripted. There's doc. There's like. There's amazing yeah. podcasts out there and there's so many talented people and, and you can do it, yeah. you know, like, it's not like, Oh my God, I need so much money because I'm going to go out and I have to make a pilot. Yeah. You know, anybody can get a recorder. They can yeah. get some editing equipment and they can, they can be heard, yeah. which is really cool. Now you oversee a number of shows mm-hmm. and you're very busy and there's deadlines, which a lot of that is similar to television, but yeah. is there something different about the atmosphere? Is it, does it feel different day to day? Going to work and, and doing what you do. In different, the, from television? different from television, yeah. Um, yeah, fewer people helping. <laughs> fewer people here on your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit more. I yeah. mean, obviously, there's there's Marshall and Hernan, but everybody's got a lot on their plate. And, right. Yeah. So can't see anything. You're I don't. so busy. You're so busy. Yeah. Now, how do you? But not t- too busy to be on your podcast. Not too Dennis. busy to me. I'm so honored. I'm like, <laughs> how do you tell if a podcast is a hit? Yeah, I'm a downloads. Way. The amount of downloads. Yeah. How do you know when something's a hit? And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And do things start small and grow? Like, how do? Because I would imagine that with podcasts, people don't always jump on them right away. You know, they, sometimes it's a word of mouth. It seems to be more of a word of mouth thing than say television. Yeah, I think it is more of a word of mouth thing, and I think. You know, usually what's in the top 10, there might be, you know, like an interview show. Yeah. There might be, there's always true crime. Yeah. You know, up People at the top. People love true crime. They love true crime. Do you guys love it as listeners? I I, I like it. I'm not a fanatical, yeah. you know. I, 
I like then, the series. I like it when there's more layers, though, where it's not just a salacious. So it's not look just a one off. Yeah, it's a I mean, do you call it salacious? I mean, the right word, or just like a gross. Maybe, look at but crime. is like, it, but you wouldn't call like serial true crime, would you? Yeah, even though. It, yeah, I mean, what, Serial was incredible. Yes, yes, exactly. And so was S-Town. Yeah. Amazing. But yes. there's other good ones, too. I mean, uh, on our ros- roster, Dirty John and Dr. Death yeah. and yeah. Gladiator are all really... Now, Dirty John is now a television show. I know. Do you guys have anything to do with that day-to-day? Or no. they just optioned it and they're... Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Could Imagine Life be a TV show? I was trying to think about I that. I think it could, actually. But it would really? have to be... Yeah, this is how I think it could. It would have to be the point of view of the person. No, I, I think you, ca- you cast... The you person, yeah, not particularly looking like them, yeah, and you just tell the story yeah. the same way. So you with see actors. the looks on their face, yeah. And, you, know, uh, you just yeah. tell it with actors. You just yeah. aren't really a hundred percent sure who it is, right? You just, I feel like bad, it could yeah. be, yeah, until the end. A bag over their head with a question mark on it. But maybe you, yeah, <laughs> maybe you can leave certain things out, like yeah, you know what country they're in. Like you know, yeah. we don't do accents or anything. It's yeah. just kind of stripped down. Yeah. Um, I guess intentionally because we're trying to not give it away. But yeah. Um, you think it could be done? I think it could be. Sometimes we don't really tell you like the date yeah. that we're talking about. It depends on the story. Sometimes right. certain things are just kind of left out yeah. and up to your imagination. I love that. All right. So um, you guys took some questions from the observation deck or you want to do randoms? Wait, Dennis, can I ask you a question? Yes. How is the writing process for you? What do you love about it? What do you find most challenging? What I love about it is that it's a little like writing a movie because it's structurally, there's a three-act structure to it. And there's also scenes with dialogue. So you get to scratch that itch, but it also uh, gets to scratch my profile writing itch, which is like my job when I was writing magazine profiles was to capture what it's like to be this person and and ideally to capture what's best about them. I I wasn't writing like hard hitting, like takedowns. I was usually writing, you know, for Cosmo or Marie Claire or in style. Um, But I also like that you can put your own voice as a writer into it, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's sort of, it's sort of all over and you learn a lot. You research. They're hard though. They take a long time and they're, they're bears. And there's sometimes you're in the middle of them and you're like, Oh my gosh, you can't see, you can't quite see your way out of it. But then when it all comes together, it's really satisfying. And so many of my colleagues that write for movies or TV, their stuff doesn't get made. It sits around for years and they get money, but no one ever hears it. And then with this, you're like, oh, I just turned that in a few weeks ago and now I'm listening to it and it sounds amazing. When you hear the, it's funny, the first time the, the, my episode, The Daydreamer, um, Which you, a lot of people love. They specifically mention in the reviews. I see that mentioned a lot. Thank you. And that was the first one. So we're finding our way with it. And there were things we did in it that were really uh, like, is this going to work? But it, it worked. I'm really proud of it. But when I first got it back, I was like, I don't know if I want to listen to this because it's some. It's sort of like yeah. seeing yourself on camera. That you feel a little vulnerable. And then I start listening to it, and I get sort of sucked into it. And I was like, and then the sound would come in. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And listening to what Virginia did. So I got, I got over that sort of self-consciousness of like, well, what if I don't like the way my writing sounds? You know, that anytime you listen to yourself or anything, there's a bit of that. But once I started listening to it, I got super into it. And now I'm like telling everyone they need to listen. And it's, it's really cool. I think well, we offered the listener a really interesting experience. The exciting thing about it when I first listened to it is that 
all of the elements, and I really, this is a testament to you, Stephanie, that like just perfectly worked. Like if one thing sucked, it would have sucked. Like if the actors weren't so great, it would have sucked. Or if right. the sound wasn't great, the sound design, it would have sucked. Or if the writing wasn't right. great, I felt it would like have everybody sucked. Had to be it's like every, everybody, every, yeah, every element was really on its game. Yeah. And together it made for like a really satisfying thing to listen to. That's really cool. Yeah. What was it like for you guys to read immediate reviews like that? Well, I've done a lot of stuff. Listener reviews, I guess. It was thrilling because I've done a lot of stuff that, that hasn't reached that many people or, um, you know, that sometimes it feels like, I don't know, you put, you put something out there, but it doesn't always reach a, a wide audience and, or any, you know, you don't get a lot of feedback. So I hadn't gotten that much feedback about something I'd have been involved with. And, and that's so personal. It's like when you read it right there, you don't see that for television shows where somebody writes a comment. I mean, I guess right. you do on message on, boards or, or on Amazon or, or something. Twitter yeah, or something yeah. like that. Right. But I think because, because of the iTunes review format, people want to share something. And that means that they were moved enough to go to the trouble to write that. There was one review that where the family were all living in different parts of the country. Oh, like yeah. it was somebody with like a daughter in college and a son and they all share, they all listened to it on the same day and they were able to share something as a family. And that was, that made me uh, really happy. It was really beautiful. It was really cool. So yeah, I like to imagine just people crying, driving off the road because of tears in their eyes, maybe crashing into something. <laughs> no, it's all good. So um, now Michael, you picked a question from the observation deck. I did. It's not, it's not, a, it's not, I'm trying to think if it's the best story. Start with Stephanie. Okay. We're going to do a random one and see if any of you guys have any. This was the one I picked. Okay. Ooh, this is a fun one. Maybe. What's the best time you've ever had in a limo? Have you ever been in a limo? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have. I don't know if I've ever had a great time in a limo. Right. I mean, I've been in limos, limos here and there. I once won a limousine ride as a... Do you remember the Real Life Brady Bunch stage yeah, show? Yeah, yeah, They had it over here in the Westwood Playhouse. Jane Lynch was actually in it before she was uh, a household name. And playing before Alice. The, yeah. I think she was playing Alice and then she was playing Carol. Um, but before they actually did the Brady Bunch episode, they did a Real Life Game Show episode. And I got to be on stage and be a contestant, and I won a limo ride and a, a gift certificate at like Gladstones on the beach, like a like a, in Malibu. <laughs> so we took the limo to Malibu and had dinner at this restaurant. And I took this guy that I was dating who ended up dumping me, and so I was like, oh, I wasted my limo on that guy. But um, yeah, that was a pretty good time. I had in a limo. I haven't been in a lot of limos though. I, I haven't feel, been I in a lot. Like, yeah, I feel like I haven't either, but. My limo story, I guess, was I used to direct this uh, show on the Travel Channel called Taste of America, and I traveled around the country, and we would basically explore American food stories, and I had a host named Mark DiCarlo who was very, very funny. Like, not cable funny, haha, you know, like HGTV, but truly witty, funny, quick guy. And we would try to think of bits when we would, like, uh, you know, arrive in town, like, what can we do that's funny? So... I think one of the foods we were exploring was buffalo wings in upstate New yeah. York. Okay. In Buffalo. 
And we were going to like a Buffalo wing event. And I don't know if you know this, but when you go to some of these like smaller towns, not that Buffalo is a small town, but sometimes when you go to these smaller towns, they have really odd beauty contests like Miss Sparkplug. Right. So there was a Miss Buffalo wing and she was going to be riding in a limo and like in a parade. Waving her wing. Buffalo wing. Yeah. Waving her wing. Yeah. So we decided that Mark would interview her. Yeah. While she was above the sunroof. Like yes. waving to people, and so he was basically sort of interviewing her feet and trying to yell up at her. <laughs> there, was well, there was a parade was a happening. Event. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great I, time see, you had in a limo. That's what I was thinking of. Is most of the times I've been in a limo, have been shooting something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so fun. Now you've worked on food shows. Mm-hmm. Do you get to eat stuff? <laughs> I guess you get to eat stuff, but I don't because usually when I would be in the field, I'd be so like manic. And yeah, I and also put my like stress in my stomach, I can't eat. Yeah. yeah, and so you, but you don't. But like, yeah, yeah, I always wonder that when there's like food shows, do you get to taste it? And if you, you can, could, yeah, but I never. But did. you never. It wasn't your no. thing. No, I would have, but I was usually so yeah. riddled with anxiety and trying to get everything to I get wanted everything to get done. that I, I wasn't hungry. Yeah. See, the get food show shots. I worked on, we did. You did? You did? Well, I worked you... on a show that was just like the show that we did, just like Big Ideas for Small Planet. It was Diary of a Foodie mm. oh, wow. on PBS, and it was half hours with three stories that were yeah. documentary. So it was like a story. It wasn't a competition. You worked on competitions. It was a, uh, you know, like a documentary. So you'd be visiting like one place or yeah. one person that was doing a very specific thing, and usually they would make us all eat it. Yeah, so, that's nice. You know. What was the tastiest thing you ate, or the thing you were like? Oh, oh this God, is I don't even remember. I mean, I shot, I shot a couple of them, and you know, I was like in Italy and Spain. And <gasps> oh my gosh, they were all out of the country, <laughs> so they were, so they were pretty great. Was it fun to work on shows that traveled around when you were out in the field like that, or were you like, oh, I just want to be in LA or be in New York? It's hard because you don't have time to really see where you are, right. you know, to hang out. Yeah, and you're, you know, sometimes you're in a place with a different language, and yeah. You know, usually you you need a fixer that has that you rely on to yeah. get you places and translate and that's called a fixer, a like fixer, the person yeah. that can hand, that makes yeah, sure yeah. everything happens. Yeah, yeah. That show was with that the company that does Anthony Bourdain, so they have oh, yeah. fixers everywhere. And, yeah, but it's 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 a little stressful. Yeah, I can imagine. That. It seems like it would be all fun and glamorous, but it's kind of stressful. Yeah. I like. I felt like it was when I did Taste of America. We did sixty cities in seven months. Oh and my gosh! I feel. I felt like this must be what like rock bands who get on the road feel like, where oh, you wake you don't up know in a hotel and you don't know where you are. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> what, That's how I. You felt. were Adam Levine for a night. When I did yeah. Catfish, I felt the same way because every two days we were traveling somewhere else, and you were kind of like, "Wait, where are we again?" Yeah, right. that's right. You worked on Catfish what for a while. That? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, here's another fun question. What's a voicemail that was left for you that you played more than once? I once got a voicemail from Alicia Silverstone because she liked the profile that I wrote about her. And she said that I was nice... Because she'd been getting kind of ripped apart in some profiles. Like, people weren't that... There was a one in particular that were, they were pretty brutal. And, and she just talked about... Um, how she thought I was nice and I did, I did a good job and that she appreciated it. That's And she fantastic. had that Alicia Silverstone voice. Yeah, that yeah, was sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that a, a good one. story. That's a heartwarming story. That's a heartwarming story, right? Yeah. It is. Yeah. I can't think of one. I mean, I have one from my boyfriend that I listen to Aww, sometimes. That's the, lovely. That's yeah. perfect. <laughs> but I is can't it, think is of... Is it just that it's him or is he saying no, something No, he's saying specific? stuff that's very, that, I, yeah. that was nice. That's you know. good. I got a call from a friend of mine in Atlanta who didn't know I was doing this, 
who some a friend of his said, oh, you should listen to this podcast. And then he listened to it and, you know, heard my name at the end. And he called me like, did you write this podcast? Like, I thought that was so weird. It was wow. so random. Yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of like... Because a lot of people television, you yeah. imagine people in their living rooms watching television. With podcasts, you don't quite know who's listening, where they're listening. Are right. they at the yeah. gym? Are they... You don't know quite how people do it. And so Plus, it they don't always listen all the way to the end to yeah. hear the credit. Like, yeah. nobody looks at the credits on TV. Yeah. And then to listen to it on a podcast and listen to all, you know, so it was weird that... Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Don't you guys just, like... I mean, Dennis, you've been doing a podcast forever. Like, I just... I just love our listeners. Like, I never felt this way about television. Really? You know? Yeah, no. I mean, people would watch it, and it, feel, it felt to me like there was a distance. And There's I would read certainly reviews an about intimacy. my shows. Yeah. I wouldn't care that much. Sometimes I'd watch the live Twitter feed. It was like, oh, they kind of got it. But, yeah, this feels like there's a connection. And, and how do you feel that? The reviews on iTunes? Are mm-hmm. there other ways that you hear? Do people ever send in emails or anything like that? I don't think so. I think yeah. some of the some people might be on social media. We have yeah. like a couple people at Wondery who work in social media that'll occasionally share like a comment that was made, but mostly it's in those in, in those, those reviews. reviews. Yeah, and, it's very uh, personal. It is it's very right? intimate. Yeah. All right, here's one that you actually picked, Michael. You picked this question. Any award show stories? I re- I just remember it's not really a story, but I just remember this image in my head, and I wish this was when cell phones were around. It was 2001. It was the first time I went to the Emmys, and no one wants to leave their Emmy at the table at the party afterwards. Right. So I remember walking into the men's room, and there's like 30 urinals, yeah, and it was full. And every guy standing, like every other guy, had an Emmy either like under his arm <laughs> or like on the floor. And it was just like the most amazing image right. of like just wow. the back of a bunch of guys in tuxedos with Emmys like stuck in places yeah. under their arms and stuff. Um, what, which show did you go to the Emmys for? That for was, I was nominated twice. That was oh. for um, uh, Trauma Life in the ER. Oh wow! Right on. And then the and then that show that I was just talking about, yeah. I was nominated for Diary of a Foodie. Yeah, so they're just people with Emmys, random Emmy, random Emmys, right? Because they didn't want to leave it at the table, not. so they took it with them to the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And then what do you do with it? You yeah. have to like stick it under your arm or yeah, put it on the floor. Yeah, I can you, you can rest it on the urinal, head. but that seems gross. That's a little gross. No, yeah. I know. Um, here's a fun one. Let's see. Wait, where was it? What album, cassette, CD, or MP3 did you play so much you feel like you wore it out? Hmm. Mm. Mine was the Olivia Newton-John physical album. <laughs> 1982. <laughs> high school. That's but so it was, odd. I liked the song physical, but it wasn't... I liked other songs on the album better. Um, but I can, I just feel like I, there was like no grooves by the end of that, wow. that year. So it was actual vinyl. Yeah, it was, it was vinyl. Wow. It was, it was actual old so school vinyl. So yeah, we're I'm talking very, 70s. I'm not as youthful as I seem. <laughs> yeah. Um, and at the end she sings a song about dolphins, about how we should save the dolphins. Could you hum a few bars? Um, if I could only make one man aware. One person care. Can I do Olivia and John actually for an imagined life? That would be good. But then, but the funny thing about it is there was dolphin sounds in it. You would hear the dolphin sounds. That's funny. like that. Yeah, it was the last song. You know, yeah, my neighbor exactly here that. in this my, building yeah. was in Xanadu, the movie. She what? was roller skater. She was a roller skater. Oh, I and love then that. she was one of the backup roller skaters on the Donnie and Marie show. Oh man. Michael was, was making a universal gesture for roller skating, roller skating in the 80s. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Is there a CD or album that you wore out? 
I think, well, albums, it's probably, you know, like any one of the first 12 Elton John albums yeah. I played a million, million times in the 70s. Isn't it? But CD, I feel I like think of, in the 70s? I was. <laughs> I feel, I loved his songs in the 70s. I would put, I'd put them on and I'd play with Legos. But I feel like his stuff in the 70s, then the 80s had changed. There's it still, did. Well, it changed songs, after. But there's something that changed. Well, because Bernie left oh, is that for a little while. Yeah. And he, and it just felt different. Yeah. Then they got back together. I don't think they, you know, had a falling out or yeah. anything, but they just separated for a while yeah. and then they got back together again. But when they separated, it just, it felt really different. Yeah. That was around Blue Moves and that was like his 13th album. Yeah. Back but, then, like back then he would have an album every six months. It was kind of crazy. Oh like yeah, every year, yeah. yeah. But the other thing I remember in the '90s, uh, the album, I guess the late '90s, "Cake," Fashion Nugget. Mm-hmm. I played. I remember having what this style job. Is that? It's like I, I guess they're like alt. I don't okay. know what you call them. They're okay. all over the place. Some of their right. songs sound. They do songs that sound like rap yeah. or country. Or they're they're all over the map. I love it. Um, they do a really great cover of. I Will Survive, which is on that album. Oh, but fine. I must have played that album. I remember I had this job where I was drawing, I was, when I was an architect and I was right. drawing, and I had it for like four months. I probably played it like all day long, every day for four months. I feel I like that so would be, that album. I feel like that would be a great question for your deck. What yeah. is the best cover? Because it's very hard to do a cover I well if the covers. original is a great. Cover. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? And actually, it makes me mad usually when, when people, people try. do a cover. I was just thinking, I'm going to play really you good that. Song. Do you know that cover? Because you, I know no, you know the song. Yeah, you know the song. I'm going to play that cover. You're going to love it. That's a good one. It's, What's your favorite cover song? Uh, do you have an album that you wore out or a CD? Or I was anything? just trying to think about it. I think maybe I uh, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. Yeah, yeah, it's classic. It is. It's good. Yeah, everybody in America probably at that time. I know. A huge seller. Yeah. Um, who's the most famous or memorable person you've ever been in an elevator with? <laughs> I was in an elevator with Stocker Channing once. I love that. I love a in the building where I live. It starts that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Did she say sorry, French? She didn't. But this <laughs> this girl right behind you, that photograph. Yes. She. I met her because she was directing a um, production of Six Degrees of Separation. Nice. And I designed the set for it. Okay. And, and Arlen was in the elevator with me, and she just like freaked. there were like ten people in the elevator. Yeah, but Stockard and Arlen was like, kind of freaked out. I was like, "Don't talk to her. Don't talk to her." And she's like, "I have to. I have to." She ran out on the street and like and had um, a moment. Her and had a moment. And yeah. were they nice? She was very nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. What about you, Dennis? Um, I was once in an elevator with Wilson Phillips, all three of them. Oh wow. my god! Yeah, it, it was in Tokyo. I'd gone to see them in the concert. My friend Tony was living there at the time, working at Tokyo Disneyland, and he got backstage passes or whatever. Uh, and we went, and then we were going somewhere, and, and they were going to let us hang out in their dressing room or whatever at the end. Uh, but I remember being in the elevator with all three of them, and all of a sudden you hear this voice like singing, like mama, mama, mama. And somebody had, one of the three of them had uh, vocal warm-ups on a cassette player in their purse and it started playing in the elevator. <laughs> oh, in the elevator. I think it was Carney, maybe. Uh, but yeah, one of the Wilson Phillipses. I was um, just in the elevator just recently. I got in the elevator on the second floor. Uh, Wendery's offices are on the eighth floor. And I heard somebody say, are you okay? 
And I turned around and it was Will Smith talking to Jada Pinkett Smith. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that he's checking in with her. Well, I, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. was she? Okay. They seem, yeah, she was. Okay. They seem so cute together. They, so you felt it. It was happening. I them. did, yeah. I love that. I do too. That's a good story. Yeah. Just the three of you? The three of us. Wow. Yeah. You, Will, and Jada. Yeah. Making it happen. Let me see if I can find <laughs> one more fun one. Um, have you ever stolen anything? Other than like like office supplies, yeah. Um, I stole a can of beer and a pack of cigarettes when I was thirteen. Did you get caught? Did you get away with it? I got caught. And here's the thing: I don't. And what happened is they didn't know I stole the beer. They knew I stole the cigarettes, and I. And when they put me in a room, it was a big white room with a round table, and then they went away to call the police, I guess. And I had to like hide the beer at the base of the table so they wouldn't know I had also stolen the beer. <laughs> and I always wonder. So you would have just been like, I don't know, that was there. Exactly. And there I always wonder what they thought when, the, when like a day later they came in and there was just this lonely beer at the Someone base. probably just it. cracked it open and drank it. I love the way you thought though. You're like, I'm gotta, I gotta make this. Gotta get rid of this. Gotta get rid of it. Did you steal? You steal anything? You know, I can't think of yeah. ever. You know, like from a store. Yeah. I don't think I ever did that when That's I was good. a kid. That's good. I can't remember. I'm ever. sure I've stolen Aww. magazines from like waiting rooms because it's like, oh gosh, that's the new variety. They won't miss it. Uh, maybe I've done that. But um, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with The Price Is Right, and I used Who to have wasn't? a home game. I know. I used to have the home game that where you could play it, right? But sometimes they would have games within the game, on the show that weren't in the home game. So I would try to make my own home game versions using things found around the house. And one day I was at the <laughs> supermarket, I was at Safeway, and you know how on sh- shelves of stores they have little like rows where you could put like plastic numbers and letters in for the prices? Yeah. Right. Well, I found the container with all the letters and numbers. And it was oh, like this giant Like a clerk had walked away <laughs> yes, from that. they had yeah. left it. And I was like... I could do so much prices rise stuff with that thing. I can't even <laughs> imagine. And it's not really an item in the store. It's not for sale. It was just left here. And I, I, I took it. And it was and it was like, yeah, it revolutionized my home game <laughs> playing ability. But yeah. I you needed it more that. than they did. I, I lo- would love it more than they did. Them, it was just like a way to do their job, which right. is important. But I don't know. My, I um, stole a mint once when I was six. Yeah. And I came out and somehow, you know how mothers know everything? They yeah. just have that mother instinct. Right. She asked if I stole a mint. I said, no. Yeah. And she said, open your mouth. And of course, there's chocolate in my teeth. Oh. So, you know, she like, you know, gave me a dressing down. Yeah. And then the next time we were in the store and I stole a mint, I thought I was so clever and I cleaned all my teeth. And when we got out of the store, she said, did you steal a mint? And I said, no. She said, let me smell your breath. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how did she know a mint? Like, I don't what? know. It was so specific. I really don't know. Wow. I, I don't even think she'd remember. But it, this was so humiliating. She gave me the money and she said, go back in, find the manager, tell him you stole a mint and give him this money. <laughs> so uh-huh. I'm six. So I went and found this man, this manager, and I couldn't even get it out. I'm just bawling, holding up my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just looking at me with sympathy. I don't think you know, wow. you know what I did. Did he take your money? He did. <laughs> That's such a good story. I love that you remember that. Though. I love that. Like, I smelled your breath. Let me smell your breath. Oh, you're like, mm. oh, foiled. Yeah. Um, we're going to wrap this up soon, but there was something I thought about Imagine Life, and I wonder if you guys have thought this. 
some of the people that are profiled are no longer on the earth, and mm-hmm. some are. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about what if they listened? What would they think? If they the ones to, that, they were, that are dead? No, the ones that are alive. What oh, if they oh, listened oh. to the episode about them? I do. And what would they think? I would just be afraid I that I got something wrong. <laughs> be like, I never did that. I know, no, I, it's interesting, right? It's just oh, I have fantasies that the subject of The Outsider writes me an email and says, you got it right. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh, but it would be horrible if, if you heard otherwise. Right. Yeah. But I think we're pretty respectful yeah, of these people. I we're think not, so, too. Right. And we're we do. And we're trying we to celebrate them. Research. Yeah, exactly. But I'll tell you, on, on The Advocate, I used a lot of that person's words. Like, yeah. I listened to a lot of interviews. Right. And there were big chunks of things in interviews that I was like, oh, I love that. Yeah. And I just yeah. literally, like, put their words back in their mouth. Yeah. So, um I don't know. I think uh, I would guess for the most part they would all be into it. It's really interesting though when you are writing somebody. Wait, have you written anybody dead? You haven't. I have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you have. You have. Yeah. Um, it's always interesting because if you do get to the moment, because we don't always take them all the way through their life to right. their death. Like the last one I did, we didn't. Mm-mm. But um, it's always interesting. Like in The Bride, that was a really interesting moment because the way you uh, the way you write that and how you write past them being because it's their POV yeah so you can't in a sense you really shouldn't be able to write past their death right um, but that one was a really interesting one to figure out like what to do at yeah. the end there well another thing I love about it is they all get to be different they all sort of tell mm-hmm. you what they are yeah don't you find that true as yeah. a producing them yeah they don't there's not like the, this blueprint that you just plug into um, I know, and I think like for for a writer, I don't know if this is true. Like, there's just something really great about being able to feel into somebody and wonder what is their voice and yeah. how do I bring that out or channel that. Voice. Can I capture their essence? Or yeah, what, 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 mm-hmm. what their core thing is. What what it's like to be them. Yeah. Um, I just want to say thank you to both of you for bringing me out, Michael, for recommending me for this project, and Stephanie for uh, for hiring me and using me because. Uh, it's the most I felt like a writer in quite a while. I had a, you know, few years of uh, wilderness writing moments or what have you. And th- this is, like, really neat. It's something I'm really proud of, and people are out there listening to it. So that's cool. How can people learn more about it? How would, um, where would you send people to if they haven't listened yet? You can, iTunes? Yeah you, can da- yeah, you can download it wherever yeah. you listen to podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, yeah. Spotify, Pandora. And all that stuff. And do people Google. go to the Wondery site and, and listen to it? I think some people do. Yeah. My dad yeah. does. Does your dad listen? He does. I love that. Yeah. He just listened to The Warrior and thought it was quite good. He did? Yeah. That's mine. That's, That's one of mine. I just yeah. want to thank both of you. You yeah. guys really, truly, both of you just put your heart in, into this and all your passion. And I cried so working talented. on I cried working I on one of them a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. I did too, actually, on my first, on the first one. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the, the first, first one. one I wrote. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, last question. Why do you write? Or why do you try to tell stories? Why do you like to tell stories? Hmm. I, um, hmm, I don't know. I think telling stories is just a really fun way to express yourself, whether they're stories that you're making up or you're retelling stories of other people's experience. Um, 
you know, being able to express yourself in these multiple ways, whether it's through writing or through, you know, filmmaking or whatever, you know, you're doing, because I'm doing a bunch of different things, but, um, I get, I don't know. I guess that's how I get out that itch of like just expressing myself, you know, telling a story that means something to you that you feel you want to share and then finding your own spin on how to tell that story back out to the world. You know, that's cool. Yeah. What about you, Stephanie? Um, my goal is to foment connection through stories you know stories are you know something that goes all the way back you know yeah. to, the, to the campfire days and I think it, people connect around a story and my my hope is that they come away from a story with a different feeling or thinking something new in a way they hadn't thought before yeah yeah how about you I think I write because it helps me figure out what I think about the world what I think is true because mm. I think once you you have to put, you, there's multiple drafts and it evolves. You really put thought into it. So by the time it's what you're ready to, to send out, you feel like that's really what you think, what you believe. And I think I like that process. And of course, the idea of people receiving it, enjoying it, appreciating it, and being moved by it. But that's why I'm not a big Twitter person. Like the, the idea of like firing something off and like sending it, I don't. I don't like, I don't have that impulse because I, I like to sort of think about what I really think and feel and, and then put it out there in a way that's a little more um, thought through. I don't know. I don't, I don't need to like, my every utterance Well, it seems like with shared. Twitter, the response that you usually get is like hostility and anger. Whereas, well, I keep, with, when people keep losing jobs over it, I think, what I is the upside of this? I was thinking that the other day. I was yeah. thinking, you know what would be a really good idea for everyone who's concerned about losing their jobs with Twitter? Stop tweeting. Stop tweeting. Just yeah. fucking stop tweeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and sometimes people are like, oh man, I got killed on Twitter. Don't look. You know, like it's, yeah. it, but I think if you're, if you're in that game, it does become like a, right, it, it, right. it becomes like a, a, a part of your bloodstream like you have to get your get your uh your fix but you know to build on what you said that idea of like making people um react and respond like making people you know have a response where they where they are so moved to cry or they yeah. la- or laugh or whatever that that's a really cool thing like to be able to connect that way with somebody where they have that kind of visceral yeah. response and also i think with this show they know the people, but they don't always know the stuff behind them. They don't always know the other stuff that went into it. And to be able to say, no, this is part of the mix, uh, that feels kind of cool to deliver that, you know? Whenever I see somebody now that has been profiled in the show, I, I might appreciate a movie they were in or whatever it is, but I kind of know a little bit more about them, and I, I kind of knows what goes on behind the story. Well, I've heard... A, have you heard that a lot? I've heard that a lot from people... Like friends of mine are listening. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, I never knew yeah. X, Y, and Z about that person." Yeah, that's the one I get the most. It's really cool. Yeah. All right, you guys. Thanks for doing the podcast. Thank you, Dad. All right. Thanks for the memories. Thanks for the memories. All right. I'm now. Don't steal any beers or any cigarettes or anything. But um, <laughs> all right, we're wrapping it up. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Stephanie Jens and Michael Seldich from Imagine Life. Check out that podcast. It's really unique, and I'm really proud to be part of it. All right. So this happened. I've been pretty much 
dealing with the game 24-7. But I did get away and see two shows uh, in the theater, both of which I'd seen before, but I love them both. Um, I saw Bob's Holiday Office Party, which is a Christmas comedy. They've been doing it for 22 years here in L.A. It's outrageous. I go like every year, and last year I had uh, some of the guys on the podcast. It's such a... It's always funny. I always love it so much, um, even though I know some of the lines by now by heart, but um, I still wait for them to happen, and it's always amazing. And then I saw Come From Away, which is showing at the Amundsen here in L.A. I had seen it previously in New York. Um, gosh, it's moving, It's and it's so beautifully staged. The movement and the choreography and the, the way all the actors play different parts, and if you want to have your faith in humanity uh, renewed, I definitely recommend that show. Um, but other than that, it's been just dealing with game stuff. We got our ship station account. So we're all like wired for labels and shipping and stamps.com and all of that stuff. It's all very exciting. Um, so that's about it. Hopefully next time you hear from me, there will be games out in the world. Um, we're re very, very excited about that. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on Dennis. Anyone. Bye. <laughs>